Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me, SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual chat, also known as a conversation, with other hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, knowledge, joy, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Once this live stream is over, I'm going to take these recorded files and I'm going to turn it into a podcast. Do that podcast magic. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen John Drew and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their projects and make their existing podcast better. That's why we have the name Better Podcasting. So for the next few moments, please excuse me. I'm going to talk about one of my passions, which is space. And this is a huge night in terms of space history. But first, we'll talk about SpaceX. There was a shakeup in the company's senior management positions. SpaceX president and COO Gwen Shotwell and vice president Mark Junkowska, two of the most influential executives at the company, aside from Elon Musk himself, are now overseeing the facility and operations of the company's Starbase location in Boca Chica, Texas. Senior Director of Starship Operations Shamal Patel is leaving that site to move to the company's Cape Canaveral facilities after spending more than two years working on the next-generation rocket Starship in Texas. SpaceX also quietly brought on Omed Ashfar, a Texas-based Tesla operations lead, as a vice president of Starship production. A lot of Things have been said about these moves that, oh, something's wrong with the company. Not to worry. They're actually transitioning their launch operations of Starship from Boca Chica to Kennedy Space Center and need somebody there to take operations lead. Starship continues to ramp up for its first orbital flight test while the remainder of the company has set a breakneck pace of 52 launches so far this year, assuring an average of one a week for 2022 and they were just awarded the contract today for the Artemis just a few hours ago for the Artemis 4 moon landing. Starship also yesterday performed a 14 engine test on its Starship Booster 7 on the way to ramp up to a full 33 engine static fire test before they launch sometime hopefully in early December. Over on the NASA side of the house that's where the historic night is. NASA is readying for another Artemis 1 launch attempt just hours after this recording. NASA says that the Artemis 1 rocket weathered Hurricane Nicole okay, despite sustaining high winds and minor repairable damage. It remains to be seen if the fueling issues, which scrubbed the previous launch attempts, have indeed been fixed. But so far, fueling operations have gone as planned. And we're now a mere five hours before the launch, and it remains a go. Very exciting night. I will be watching live. In my other podcast endeavors, this is a trifecta week. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is covering X-Men, the animated series, season four episodes for a few weeks before returning to the MCU films, Thor and Black Panther Wakanda. The Better Podcasting main show published episode 263 about anonymous hobby podcasting, and we're getting a lot of positive feedback on that. So thank you very much for listening or watching to that. Here's where the trifecta comes in. In the last week, I was on TV Travis's Wait, Have You Seen? We discussed the 12 Monkeys film from 1995. It was a very cool discussion, and my hat is off to TV's Travis for having me on board his show. I was also on Ignorance Was Bliss in an episode called Ideas Don't Happen at a Convenient Time. 
I recorded the intro and outro for that. This is where the coolness of hobby podcasting comes in. Kate, the main host, was unable to record even though she had recorded the interview due to surgeries and health things that she was going through. She asked for help. She asked me to do this, and I gladly stepped in. So thank you very much, Kate, for allowing me to do that. And it's an awesome podcast. You should check it out. Ignorance was bliss. And then also, I was on an episode of Dead Set Podcasting with my pal and brother from Australia, Joshua Liston. It's season four, episode six, Roadcaster Pro 2 Chats with SP from Better Podcasting. You did a little flip of the name of this podcast on the title for that. We gabbed over an hour about the Roadcaster Pro 2, so you can check that out at Dead Said Podcasting. Now, in case you are new to Better Podcasting Chats with SP, if you are a hobby or passion podcaster, I'm interested in chatting with you. And if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience, and your podcast, please send me an email to stargatepioneer at betterpodcasting.com. I'm also available on DM on Twitter, as long as Twitter exists, or over on Discord, and we'll go ahead and arrange a date. I now have a handy-dandy calendar scheduling option I can send you a link to. And in case you don't think any of this applies to you and you're listening to this, it absolutely applies to you, and I'm excited to chat with you. Now, for the next hour, I'm talking with TV's Travis. Yes, the same man I was on a podcast with last week. Travis has been into media in some form or another since high school. He started off with class projects and moved on to making short films with friends and eventually a public access sketch comedy show for a bit. Interesting. He spent some time as a college radio DJ and finally started his podcast. Wait, have you seen dot 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 question mark in March of 2019, which is now closing on 200 episodes. Travis is a film buff, music fan, and video gamer. Above it all, Travis loves a good story, and who of us doesn't? No matter what the medium, radio drama, book, film, or game, a good story and interesting characters are all that are needed. Welcome to the chat, Travis. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on board, and it just seems like yesterday we were talking. It wasn't that long ago, no. We had a wonderful discussion about 12 Monkeys where I loved the movie and you hated it. It was pretty great, actually. Yeah, it was a good back and forth. And we were both respectful of each other. And I brought in a lot of information from the series, which you haven't seen yet. Did you ever take a look at the first episode or have you been too busy? I have been too busy. Uh, listening to that intro and hearing everything that you've been doing, it made me feel better because I have, I always feel like I'm doing too much between the podcasts that I produce and the guest things that I do. But it's great to know that I'm not the only one that just can't seem to stop. This week was a busy week because I recorded Gonna Geek last night. I'm recording this tonight. And I'm recording the Better Podcasting main show tomorrow night. And then Saturday, I'm recording an episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's a rare four-episode week for me. Ooh. Those won't happen too much. I'm kind of breaking the golden rule of SP Hobby Podcasting of not doing <laughs> more than two shows a week this week. But... It's a limited engagement, so I'm, I was like, okay, I'll do it, and it won't go on forever. I, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, Travis, let's talk about you right now. Let's get the Better Podcasting audience involved in where you came from. What inspired you to start podcasting? It's funny, because for me, podcasting feels like the natural extension of talk radio, and growing up, I listened to, if it wasn't a baseball game. I was listening. My dad loved talk radio as well and radio dramas. So we listened to a lot of that in the car when, 
you know, I'd be wait, we'd be waiting to pick up my mom from work or just driving around. And then when I was real young, I got into books on tape. So any road trip, I would go to the library, I would grab three, four books on tape. And that's what I listened to for the four or five, six hours we would be in the car. So I was listening to Sherlock Holmes and I was listening to uh, Discworld and Hitchhiker's Guide and all these things. And I just loved the way that audio was sort of like a next level version of reading a book where it still allowed a lot of imagination to happen. And then as time went on, I started listening to more sort of conversation-based things, interview shows. It just became sort of a thing that I enjoyed listening to. Podcasts started hitting. And at the time, I was working a job where I drove all day. And so that was perfect for podcasts. So I was on podcasts from, from the early days of listening to just about anything. And eventually I was like, you know, I, I keep listening to all these and I love to just sit and talk with friends. I want to do this on my own. And it took me a few years to finally get it going. I was always sort of trying to start something with a friend of mine or this other group of friends and I could never get any commitment from anybody. And I never felt like I could do it on my own. And finally, one day I just said, the hell with it. I'm going to do it on my own and I'll just rotate people in and out. And it snowballed from there. And that's just kind of how I got going. I'll tell you a little secret that I've not told too many people. My first podcast failed. I was asking people to be on. I wanted to do a continuum podcast, believe it or not. And everybody okay. I asked that I knew said no. And I did not go out there and solo. So finally, I'm like, okay, so continuum's not going to work. What about Defiance? Because they were on at the same time. And a guy knew, Sean, who was on a podcast for years before I was. He said, yeah, I'll do it with you. And then his wife came on board because she was interested in Jamie Murray, who is one of the main actors on the show. And so that we had our podcast and that's how it came to be. But my first podcast failed and I've not said those words too many times before now. So you get an exclusive, Travis. And, you know, quite honestly, I mean, a lot of podcasts get started and don't go very far. It, it's very easy to come up with the idea and then not follow through. I started a couple, they never even got to the point of publishing before I kind of gave up on them. It was similar with uh, a couple of video projects that we did. Cause as I said to you, I had started off in high school. It was kind of media, mixed media. And this was the mid to late nineties. So we had video cameras, but you had to have a big editing bay or you were doing it real janky with just two VCRs and hitting play and pause or play and record. But that's how we got started. And then we sort of wanted to do our own thing, but there was no, YouTube didn't exist. And so the closest we had was public access. And we did that for a number of years, but we had a couple of ideas that got started that never, that did the same thing. We do like a couple of episodes and gave up or it never got anywhere. And we never had any money to do anything with. So our budget was whatever we had in our pocket that day. It's, <laughs> It, it, I go back and watch some of it now and it's bad. It, it, it looks real bad, but there's like the, these kernels of great ideas that I wish that my friends and I had been about five years younger. We would have been able to ride that wave of like hitting sort of early days of, you know, daily motion YouTube before they all blew up. And it would have been a very different, I feel like it would have been a very different thing. So, you know, it's just one of those that I've just always enjoyed stories, storytelling, having fun with friends, having conversations. That was another part of it is I'd love to go to like all night diners and just sit all night drinking coffee, talking about 
whatever it was, movies, music, and it would be different with different groups of friends. So I'd have the groups of friends I could watch a movie with and then talk about it afterwards or my musician friends and we'd sit and just, I'd learn, I'd just soak up these conversations about musicians and especially stuff that I didn't listen to on my own, like jazz and, and things like that. And it was so much fun. And I just wanted to keep doing that. And then it got stagnant for a long time. So to finally have sort of this, this outlet for all of these things, it's really great for me, but it also, I feel like if I can bring those conversations and things like, like what you and I did, where we can have a differing opinion, but have a really good conversation. And I felt like I came away from that, from that conversation, I came away from it with like a, a better appreciation for the movie that we watched, but also sort of how it can affect people differently, positive and negative. So I take a little bit away from every conversation I have, and I hope that whomever I'm speaking with can as well. I took a lot away from that conversation. I saw the movie in a different light and my opinion hasn't changed, but at least I understand where you were coming from, which was important. A little another tidbit for you. I was in the studio in the early days in the public access channel studio when Joel Hodge was doing his initial mystery mm. science theater, 3000 episodes in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, that is I will admit to being a bit envious of that. That sounds like it would be really cool to just have been even near that. That's amazing. It was really cool. He won't remember me whatsoever. We were just dumb kids, you know, helping out with the production and everything. But he eventually went on and I can't help think back to those days. It was way before YouTube, by the way, for those oh, listening yeah. that are younger, way, way. Before. There was no, the only way to get this stuff out was public access. And that's what Joel was doing. And it was awesome being there and just seeing everything. And if I had gone with him, not that he asked, but if I had gone with him, then my career, my whole life would have been different from back then. But it was really fun to be involved in everything back then. And it wasn't even me. It was a friend of mine who's like, hey, SP, let's go watch this and participate and help out. He's going to need some help. It's a public access channel. Let's just go. I'm like, okay. So we wrote our believe it or not, rode our bikes over there and was involved in it. So that was cool. Now you mentioned you started several projects was wait, you haven't seen your first true podcast or did you actually have some shows that ran like 10, 12 episodes before that? The first one that I finally got around to publishing anything on was wait, you haven't seen. And even that actually false started maybe two times before I finally did it. Because I had a particular friend of mine who the seed of the idea came from conversations we were having. So it was going to be just the two of us kind of trading projects back and forth, trading movies back and forth of stuff we hadn't seen, both being movie buffs. And then his work schedule didn't allow for it. We had gone through to the point of planning it out and getting ready to record and recording like a pilot episode, but then he couldn't follow through. And so we scrapped it. And that was when later on. So what you haven't seen is the first one that I actually finally published anything for and, and started doing it. And I started it in March of 2019 and I have recorded every week since then. I've recorded an episode and put something out. Can be a grind sometimes, especially around important times of the year, like the holidays or 4th of July or whatever. You know, yeah. I, I get that. We opt to take some time off on better podcasting, but well, some people don't. And that's very admirable that you're actually able to do that. 
so because that show is me and then a guest, I feel like I can kind of just keep going. I know eventually that streak is going to get broken. I don't have any illusions that it never will, but I'm the only one that has to do it week after week. So for me, it's a little bit easier. I do some other shows and those are collaborative and those we definitely take time off. I do a show on specifically the series of Highlander from the mid nineties. And, uh, we take time off in between the seasons, two, three, four weeks uh, at a at a stretch of sort of let's get it, let's step away from it, decompress. My co-host Audie has uh, three young kids, so he gets a little bit extra time where he doesn't have to worry about the show every week. So yeah, I definitely do that. But for weight you haven't seen because it's just me and it's easy for me to rotate in people, then that one I just keep going. It's sort of a I call myself a podcasting shark. I got to keep swimming or I'm just I'm gonna die. So. <laughs> How did you learn how to podcast in the first place? Honestly, just listening to shows and paying attention to the way people talk when they're being recorded, whether it's in an interview format or kind of a one mic show, listening to stand up comedians. I did take a public speaking course in high school and then again in college. And I did radio production in high school. I was a college station DJ for a little while. So, it was really just listening to other programs and figuring out what worked and what didn't, whether it was something like uh, early days of Buzz Out Loud and listening to Tom Merritt or listening to Scott Johnson. Um, uh, Leo Laporte was another one that I listened to a lot of uh, stuff early on podcast wise, as well as talk radio back in the day was a lot of coast to coast AM with Art Bell and then later on George Norrie. And just trying to sort of emulate any of that or work on the ability to keep a conversation flowing, to limit the ums and ahs as much as I could and sort of those crutches and those commas. You know, it's it, sometimes it's easier than others. Kind of picking out where you can script something versus where you can kind of go off the cuff and just practicing. I, I, I practice a lot when I'm driving too, whether it's listening to something or practicing just talking out a topic here and there wow you're really good at name dropping there's several hall of fame <laughs> podcasters in that list right there well i mean if you're going to learn you know listen to the best and learn from them and the, that's that was the thing that's what drew me to those shows and that's not to say that they're the only ones but they were a big influence there was a show actually from your neck of the woods a uh, darkness on the edge of town radio uh, was the original podcast. And I don't know if they're still going by that name or not, but it was Dave Schrader was another host that I listened to a lot. It was a paranormal kind of stories show. Uh, and he's great. Um, he's gone on to actually start doing uh, television programs as well on a couple of networks. That was the kind of stuff I just listened and, and tried to to emulate as much as I could. So you've been doing this for a few years. What gear do you use to record your show now? So I have a, um, a Shure SM57 microphone, just a simple dynamic microphone running into a mixer that I run into my computer. Yeah, yeah, just a simple dynamic handheld microphone that the president <laughs> uses every time he speaks. It was uh, lucky. A friend of mine who is a musician had it. He wasn't using it anymore. He's like, hey, I know you are planning. This was years ago when I was planning, still planning stuff. He's like, you can have it. I don't use it anymore. So I got, I was gifted this. I bought a little Yamaha eight channel mixer because 
when I started things, the idea was that eventually I would kind of do roundtable discussions. And so I wanted that mixer to be able to run a few microphones. Well, between everything that's gone on, that went out the window, but I still have this mixer sitting here, but it works. I could replace it with a, like just a simple audio interface, but at this point I have everything set up and working. I don't want to touch it anymore or, or for fear of angering the gremlins. <laughs> I started off recording like a lot of podcasters do with audacity because it's free. I since then have moved to using Reaper for all my recording. It gives me more control multi-tracks that I can record at once so I can split out uh, my audio from my guest audio from music or sound effects or clips or anything like that, which I feel like has helped to increase the overall quality of the show audibly. But yeah, I, I just go with that. It's on a Windows PC and uh, I use whatever video conferencing software works for my guest, honestly, most of the time. Typically, it's Discord because a lot of people that I know use that, but I get people that are like, nope, Skype only. All right, we can use Skype. I can, I can go that route. I can, I've done Zoom. I've done, um, uh, I'd use Zencaster quite a bit, which is a nice multi-track one. When I have more than, more than one guest, it's, it's nice to be able to break the audio out. Because above all, I mean, ab- above all, I want to sound as good as possible. How do you deal with the Skype hiss? Because that's still there. I used it the other day in, in, in the connection with Josh Liston from Australia. That Skype hiss was just so noticeable. It, it wasn't the last time I had to, now Skype is the one I use the least. I will say that I have a couple of people that are just, they, that's what they know. And they're more comfortable with that. Usually it's just using a noise reducer and try to reduce it as much as possible, but I know it's going to be there. There's just no way around that. I'd hoped especially from the pandemic that they would have gone in and done something with that. But nope, they didn't. It's still the Skype, same Skype hiss that was there years ago. And we laughed on better podcasting because we just couldn't handle it anymore. We use video Ninja now to connect and that's a great capability. It's basically freeware, but it's a donationware, I guess is more appropriate and it's more hands-on. So you have to know how to use it and stuff like that. But for the guest, all you do is click on a link and you get into the room and that's all you do for that but yeah i get it some people they only know so much or maybe they're connecting on their phone and that's the only Mm -hmm. app that they have and they don't feel comfortable with anything else so okay i get it sure it's funny you mentioned video ninja i i use that but i don't use it for podcasting i actually uh the most common use i have for that i haven't i just tinker with it occasionally and it's it's really great but i use it when um i do uh i paint miniatures for tabletop gaming Uh and i will stream that and I do that sitting on a different part of my studio. I've got a desk over there and a PC, an old PC that is a media server, but I can fire that up to have like a, a Twitch chat or something up. And so I will use Video Ninja on that to pipe the camera feed across the room to my streaming computer and then run that out to Twitch. Yeah, I've considered doing things like that with my old podcasting computer. I, d- I built a new podcasting computer this year because the old one was going to need to be replaced, but I got a new video card and that just there's a snowball of things that, you know, I finally won the lottery, got a new video card and like, yep. okay, I'm going to put this in. No, no, wait, it's going to overheat. So I need a bigger case. Okay. I'll get the new case. Oh, wait, I should probably get a new motherboard and a new CPU. And I just, I went down the whole rabbit hole there. We'll tell the story on better podcasting main show. 
I have never upgraded a single component in the computer. And it's funny because I build, I've built every computer I have owned since 2000 and I've never upgraded more than one component. I did once I upgraded a video card, but it was a half step up. So it wasn't enough to make a difference. And this was like 2003, but no, it's always that same thing. Well, I'll replace this. Well, I might as well get a new motherboard while I'm at it. And then I'll put CPU and Ram because I need to do that. And Next thing you know, it's $1,500 in a new case. And well, all right, here's a weekend of my time. I wish it was $1,500. This was the peak of the pandemic pricing gouging. So Mm. yeah, it was more like $2,500. $1,500 was just the video card. Actually, it wasn't too bad. It was only $800. It was $800 and change. It was a 3070 FTW3. I ah. wish I would have gotten something better, but at the time it was like it. And I was running into video issues because I'm rendering 4K video. So I'm like, I need a new video card or so I thought in the end. Yeah, it's helped and I'm glad I have it, but I wish I would have waited. You know, in the back of my mind, it's like SB, if you would have just waited like three months, you would have had yeah. everything for a lot less. Oh, if I had a nickel for every time that I've told myself that, boy, I would have the biggest jar of nickels you've ever seen. Cause it's always <laughs> like, you know, I get a phone. And then, and I don't think enough about it. And then it's like three months later, oh, this got released. Well, crap. Uh, you know, I, I, I do that so much. So I eventually just gave up. Like I, I just realized I'm just going to go with what I've got. When I built my computer, I put a 1660 Ti in it. It's a great, great video card. It plays everything that I want it to play. So I'm fine there. But it's like, you know, if I'd waited just a little bit longer, because it was, it was right at the beginning of pandemic. So the prices had the gouging hadn't started yet. I could have done, but you know, whatever. At the end of the day, I got something that works for me. How have you improved your podcasting since you started in 2019? Well, switching and the editing has been a big one for me. I don't do a ton of editing of like weight you haven't seen. It's a very conversational show. So it's pretty much trim the front and back of the audio do some leveling to get everything to about the right level and that's it. But when I do something like let's watch Highlander, which we break into segments, I have a little more editing to do with that. I crossfade each segment with a clip from that particular episode. I've just gotten better at my big thing has, is I've gotten better workflows so that everything moves a lot smoother and uh, start to finish. So it still is a considerable chunk of time, but it's more efficient every single time. And I think also I have gotten more and more comfortable talking for extended periods of time. And I always tell my guests every time they come on, look, if you've got, if there's things that you really want to talk about with this you know, particular topic, tell me to shut up and get your point in because I can talk and I will continue to talk at length to keep things moving. So don't feel bad about being like, Hey, shut up. I got this to say. And just being more comfortable continuing to pontificate a lot and try to remove a lot of these sort of awkward silences. Because that was one thing I noticed. I rarely go back and listen to things that I've done. I will occasionally just to sort of, you know, make sure that it sounds okay. But every so often I'll go back and like listen to an early episode just to sort of see where, where I was and where, I, where I've gone from there. And what I've noticed is that I've gotten better about keeping the awkward pauses, those moments where sort of nobody's ready to talk yet and the thought came to an end, but then the next one didn't start. 
and just smoothing all that out. So it's not, there's not a lot of that. And also I feel like my, in terms of film discussion, my analysis of film has continued to improve to where, you know, early on I could talk a good deal about certain aspects of it, but I was doing a lot of like, oh, I'm just reading some trivia. And now I can do that, but I also can really kind of get into a lot of the whys or, well, what did you think about this? And then we can, my guests and I can have conversations based off of that, like branching off, essentially. I just feel like I've gotten more comfortable with doing that to where it doesn't just, like your, our episode of What You Haven't Seen, we went down some rabbit holes. But I always feel like there was a, a thread to follow down them. And then, you know, sort of pull ourselves back out and continue on. I feel like I've gotten better about sort of making those feel more organic. I think that's the biggest one is I've gotten more comfortable and I don't feel like, like early on, I felt a little, like I was a little stiff and sort of, I've loosened up and gotten just more comfortable behind the mic. Wow. And all that in three years. Well, it started with the college radio. Because when I started college radio, which was a tiny little, it's a community college in my hometown that basically covers the city and that's it. And I was very stiff with that. So that's where it kind of started. But the podcasting, because there was a, a pretty significant break between when I was doing that, and when I started the show, I sort of had to relearn a few of the things that I had started picking up. And then from there, it was just kind of letting it snowball. Part of it helps is that I do it every week. And now I'm up to, because you said you have a rule where you don't try not to do more than two shows in a week. I do three to four every week because it's one show we do bi-weekly. So one week I'll do three, the next week I'll do four. If I guest on another show like this, I might do five things in a week. So a lot of it's just repetition, but I'm enjoying it. And so I'll continue to do this as long as I enjoy it. So you've been doing it for three years. You've been doing up to three or four shows a week. In my opinion, that's like getting a master's degree, you know, part-time, you have a full-time job, you're doing this hobby three or four times a week. You're basically getting a master's degree after like two or three years. So that's what you've done. And you've improved yourself over that time, basically what equates to a master's degree. So congratulations. Thank you. I never thought of it that way, but that makes perfect sense. Wish I had a diploma, but I don't. So, <laughs> well, sorry. I'm, I'm going to get one and put it on my wall back here now. Yeah, the honorary Better Podcasting Master's Degree of Podcast, Hobby Podcasting. So you do stream your live shows much like we do here on Better Podcasting. Mm -hmm. Are there any pros or cons with that that you'd like to reminisce about right now? I do, because I did not start out streaming the shows. I started off just recording them offline. and. It was a, f I don't remember the first episode that I did streaming live, but I think pros of streaming the show live is I feel like it helps sort of, it does help to kind of get the show noticed by just kind of random passersby in a way, or I, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to describe. Like it just feels like it makes the show more accessible because there's multiple ways for which for people to kind of take it in. They can watch the live stream. They can watch the videos on demand after the fact. With a show like Wait You Haven't Seen, it's essentially the same thing on the podcast. 
And I think that it also makes for me, it makes me be on more. It helped for the, the ums, the ahs, the stammering to be live and have to do it live. And there isn't a, I can go back and edit stuff and I've done that before. I'll do that if I have a technical issue of some kind, but it just makes me sort of be on my game more. And I also like the instant feedback you can get. If there are people in your chat room, you can get some instant feedback about what's going on. And maybe somebody will bring up something that you didn't think about, or I will have all sorts of stuff in my head and even in my notes. And then the conversation gets going and I might forget about it. So then I can glance at the chat. Someone mentions it and it reminds me, oh, that's right. I had that talking point I wanted to get to. And so I can keep my kind of ADHD in check a little bit. Cons are spreading your audience out a little more because it can sort of impact your download numbers of a podcast because some people are just going to watch it live or they're just going to watch the video on demand. That's their way of taking it in. So I have to look at my download numbers with a grain of salt on some of that because I know that there's definitely a certain subset of people that, that that's the only way they take it in. And I do that with some shows that I watch. Like Usually I will, if I like a show that also does a live stream, I will still make sure that I subscribe and keep up with shows. But I don't typically watch a live stream and then turn around and listen to that, that again right away. But I've got it kind of in my back pocket to watch or to listen to at some point. So there's that. And then I think also depending on your chat room during a live stream, they can be very distracting too. I know Tom Merritt once said, and it's the thing I always think of is you get the chat room you deserve. So I try to keep the chat sort of on topic and respectful and that helps, but there's definitely times where I can find myself looking at the chat a little too much and then kind of losing my train of thought. So I've really, really had to work at sort of training myself to just give a quick glance, see what's going on, if there's anything important, but focus on you know the conversation that I'm having. I don't have any moderators on my live streams, but every so often there's spam or whatever in there that you just have to stop and take care of, you know, boot it out. And that's about the biggest thing that distracts me is the spam. But other than that, I generally like to uh, let the chat room roll. If I'm podcasting with Steven and he's talking, I'll ignore him like I always do and <laughs> then respond to the chat room while he's talking because I, I know what he's going to say already. So I'm able to tune him out and go with it but yeah i enjoyed the live rooms that we've done i also enjoy podcasting without because there's some things that can happen in a recording session that you don't want out to everyone and you just you laugh and you cut out and oh, for you sure. just continue on when it's not being streamed live but when it's being streamed live you're like okay well this happened i can't ignore it so yeah it is there to be out there so if you could go back and have told yourself one thing when you started your podcasting in 2019 to make it easier, what would that one thing have been? That one thing in 2019 would have been relax and don't overthink it. Because I had a tendency to do the, I'm going to get into podcasting and think about every tiny little detail. The looking at every single microphone and mixing board and software and all this kind of stuff. And just relax the quality. 
you will improve your audio quality as you go. Get better at the conversations. Get better at the the actual podcasting part of it. Walk before you run. And that's a big one. And then if I could, you know, go back a couple of years before that would just be do the damn thing because I spent too much time thinking that I couldn't do it or I wasn't going to be any good or nobody would want to listen. You know, all the all the classic kind of imposter syndrome things. What I found is as I've gone on and done more episodes, done more guest spots, talked with other podcasters, I'm not terrible at what I do. So I just needed to relax and do it. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, I think you're pretty good. I try. And then that's the other thing is just have fun. And that's the biggest thing that I've tried to do from there is just enjoy what I'm doing. And if, it's, if I'm not enjoying it, move on. And, and I continue to enjoy it and it gets better all the time. Are there any books that you've read that have helped you in your podcasting journey so far? Books? I'm not sure. I mean, I tend to read more article form stuff than books themselves. So I can't point to any specific titles offhand uh, of a book that I read that really gave me a whole lot. A lot of, I, I learn pretty well when I read, but I've always been sort of somebody that learns really well from listening and watching. That was where like a lot of books on tape came that way. I got into sort of audiobooks very early because I, what ended up happening was, is that I wouldn't, if, when I read a book, it's not so much uh, an ADHD thing is like, I'll be going along and then I might reread a section a couple of times for some reason. And I don't really notice that I'm doing that. If I can get into mixed media is what tends to be really useful for me. So it's, it was a lot of, it was a lot more of kind of just picking and cherry picking from all these great podcasters that were, were getting started or uh, media, you know, media personalities in general. Along the way, how have you handled promotion? Not well. (laughs) (laughs) I am wonderful at promoting anybody else, but I'm terrible at promoting myself. I try to get better at it. I try to engage on social medias such as, uh, you know, leverage my Facebook as much as I can, Twitter, other social stuff. I'm working on that all the time. One of the shows that I do is called Those Were the Days, and it's classic television. And we try to lean into that quite a bit. So I realized early on with that show, what would be fun to do is take clips from our previous episode and play them for our uh, podcast download. So the, the start of every episode is previously on, and then I play 30 seconds worth of clips from our conversation the week before. And that was a thing I thought that'd be fun to put at the beginning of it. And then I can use those and throw them up on Twitter or put them up on TikTok and have that be promotional things. So it's like learning that that's somewhere where I could definitely use some, some books on kind of promoting and marketing better. Um, I'm just, I've never been great at like pushing myself because I always feel like, yeah, you know, I, I do a thing. You can listen to it if you want. It's kind of terrible, but whatever. And logically, I know that I should be better about that because I know, I know that what I'm doing has some value, but it's the little gremlin voices that tell me, no, don't, don't worry about that. No one's going to want to listen. So why promote it? But I'm, I'm working always to kind of talk about the fact that I do shows without just being like leaning with that, you know, work it into a conversation more organically. Well, big thing for me is 
very involved. Like I like engagement in what I'm talking about. So I love having interactions with a chat room live or, um, you know, something like a, uh, a Twitter or something where you can have, you can start that conversation back and forth and then bringing up, yeah, I do this thing. Or if I see posts that are about, you know, movie lists, favorites here, animation, stuff like that, I will work into that and then try to bring up, yeah, I've talked about this particular thing. Here's a place where you can find that and try to promote that way too. But I'm, I'm just not great at it. <laughs> do you think it's a lack of skill, a, the gremlins, as you say, in your mind, or a lack of time? There's definitely a time factor to it because good promotion takes time to make the promotions. I was just having a conversation, I want to say two days ago, that I need to sit down, write out some 15, 30 second promotional bumpers that I can record about different shows that I do and about the things that I do that I can have available for other folks to be able to play or just throw them up on, uh, on social medias. And it's taking the time to sit down, to write that out, to record it and produce it. So it's a mixture of both. It's with one part, not having the time, which I, I always you know, I keep putting in requests for 26 hour days and they keep, nothing's changed. So I just got to go with the 24, but also a little bit of that. Like I'm not good at it yet. I don't have that skill. I haven't worked those muscles enough and I just need to practice it more. And one feeds the other, not having enough time to work on the skill and not having the skill to devote the time to it. So I think that's the big reason why I said in the episode 50 of the main better podcasting podcast, where we did the 15 golden rules of hobby podcast only do two shows a week because I was seeing a lack of attention for podcasters that were doing more than two a week. Like we both are doing this week mm-hmm. to promotion. And I think in this day and age of millions of podcasts that are available, okay, hundreds of thousands that are actively being produced every year, but millions are available. I think there needs to be more of an emphasis on, especially with hobby podcasters, on promotion. That's why I asked the question. That's why I asked if you thought it was the gremlins or it was time for you, it's a combination of things, but time is a factor. So that's why I'm, I'm thinking that's more and more for hobby podcasters, the issue with promotion. Of course, there's money too, yeah. because you just don't have the avenues to get into promotional spaces without money. And by money, I mean like tens of thousands of dollars a, a yeah. month, not mm-hmm. a year, not the duration of the podcast, a month yeah. in order to get the same exposure as everyone else. So anyway, that's, it's a little hot button for me this year is promotion for hobby podcasts. Yeah. Now, one thing I do is, you know, I do the four shows concurrently, but only two of them are, I produce. So I co-host the others, which is less friction for me because I don't have to do as much prep for that show every single week. So there's a little bit of slothy laziness uh, involved where it's just like i want to take some time and not think about it that's that it's that recharge time that you need but you're not wrong like doing more 
isn't always better. And I do need to try and focus a little bit on doing the promotion. I finally got around to launching a Patreon for uh, Wait You Haven't Seen, and I'm working on promoting that and mentioning it and having things that are available for that. But it took me 185 episodes of producing the show before I finally got around to doing that, which I always felt like I needed a bigger audience before I could, but I wasn't going to build the audience without promoting ways for the audience to be involved. So chicken and egg. We had a great discussion on our Better Podcasting Discord server a couple of weeks ago, specifically about crowdfunding avenues like Patreon for hobby podcasters. And should you do it? Should you not do it? How do you monetize? How do you not monetize? And I think it's still an evolving space. Yes, we have this great capability available to us in Patreon mm-hmm. or the Patreon likes, whether it's, you know, GoFundMe or yep. buy me a coffee or whatever that didn't exist 10 years ago. but you still have to wield those tools effectively. Yes. Really similarly to like uh, platforms like a YouTube would have been, you know, early on, you still, they were there and then they, they evolved and they grew, but you still have to be able to wield that properly. You still have to be able to use it the correct way. And I feel like we're just early days still of a lot of these crowdfunding or middle days, maybe. All right. So you mentioned this before, and I want to touch base on it again. It's something that you mentioned you wanted to talk about anyway. It's an engagement and community engagement. It seems to be a driving force with your podcast. With hobby podcasting, we often say, you know, what is actually your goal? And a lot of goals is to find like-minded people or develop a community. It sounds like you've done that and you've fostered that by engagement. Mm-hmm. I really feel like you're going to have a better time producing a podcast to a smaller audience that care about what you're doing numbers may or may not ever get there. Uh, But I don't feel I never got into doing a show of any kind with this idea that it would blow up and be, you know, millions of downloads or anything like that. Not because I didn't want that, but if I, I didn't want to set that as a goal for myself that could potentially be unreachable because as you said, millions of podcasts available, thousands, hundreds of thousands that are being actively produced, you're a drop in the pond. And if you think you're going to be the big fish, there's always a bigger fish. But if I can foster and cultivate a small area for that, you may or may not, you might grow and you might get bigger, but what you have is going to be really good. That's been a big thing for me is, you know, I started uh, a like those were the days got started because I was a fan of this person's other podcast, got to know them through that. And then eventually we were like, let's work together. And so then my little corner of things could mesh with their little corner of things. And we, we grew a little bit bigger from that and um, getting involved in some of the communities built around other podcasts and then finding the the common ground from all that. And from that, I actually got involved in America's Next Top Podcaster, which in their second season was because I was involved in the community around Scott Johnson's podcast and uh, Brian Ibbitt's. And then that really helped because I met some amazing people working on that and everything really blossomed from there and helped me to, it helped me to find more like-minded people, but it also helped me to gain the confidence to talk to some of them and some other podcasters that I normally, 
I wouldn't have had the confidence to talk to. But when you start to realize now nah, everybody's kind of in the same boat as you, or at least, you know, floating around the same ocean. So that helped quite a bit. But yeah, I just like, I like the idea of start it small, build that community up. And then if it grows bigger and bigger, that's great. And if it doesn't, you still have a fun little community of people, even if it's the same, you know, few dozen people. To me, it, it, it still makes it fun and it makes it worthwhile. You mentioned something there, and I wanted to ask you this earlier, and I kind of skipped over, but I'm going to go back to it. How do you get guests for your podcast? I know you found me in a dumpster, but how do you find other people? So early on, it was just friends of mine from around the area, and I would rope them in, and I would get two or three of them, and we would sit down and talk. So it was very much an extension of those overnight diners, sit around, drink coffee till 3 a.m., types of things. What ended up happening was I would listen to more shows and I would, I would get the confidence to talk to somebody that was on a, a smaller podcast. ANTP really helped that because now I had 11 other hobby podcasters that I worked with, that I worked on you know, little mini episodes with, plus the hosts and the producers and the coaches and all of the people behind the scenes that were involved in that from the people from season one, we've got our own discord. And so I could talk to all of them. So really what it came down to was ANTP, the frog pants community, the, um, the community around stuff like the botched podcast and just meeting these people as I go. And, Oh, here's some friends of mine that do a podcast and here's a podcast that they guessed it on. I listened to that and I'm like, Oh, that'd be fun. And so I started listening to the podcast and then get to know them maybe on Twitter and just take a swing. And I've gotten a lot better at that of just sort of, Hey, I do a show. Would you ever be interested in coming on, you know, and, and do it in a very no pressure kind of way where if somebody said people are going to say no and that's fine. And I don't have a problem with that. And I've gotten very few no's so far. And if I do, it's usually pretty kind about it. Uh, I don't get ghosted all that often. But it's just taking a swing and, and seeing what happens because the worst that'll happen is you don't get that guest. Yeah, I always found if you're doing a guest show, kind of like what this show is, you always invite a little bit more people than you have time slots for mm-hmm. in order to fill the ghosting or the nose or whatever, because you're going to get those for whatever reason. Just there might be something going on in their lives. They might be very interested in coming on, but they just can't at that point in time. It might be that they think it's beneath them or not in line with their branding. I get that in some cases. There's a ton of reasons out there. Yeah. You just never know who that's going to be. So you always kind of fill up your dance card a little bit more than you need, in my opinion. And that's how you go do it. It sounds great to me. And as far as America's next top podcasters go, yeah, I've been podcasting for a while. So they used to have the, I think it was like under three years, podcasting for under three years in order to mm-hmm. qualify for a while. And I'm like, well, I've been podcasting for way longer than that. So I, I yeah. don't qualify. But last year they opened up the door to podcasters that were like 10 years or something like that. And I was like, I think I could just get in underneath here. And I just, oh, I never applied. And I feel guilty about that because I think it would have been an amazing experience, but at the same time, I want that experience to go to people that could really, really use it. And I just don't think that I would have been able to get as much out of it as other people would have, but it would still would have been an amazing experience. So I forgot you were on season two. That's pretty cool there. Yeah. 
that for me is what really kind of helped keep me doing this because I would have done the show. I, I had started the show and I'd been going at it for a little while and I had some personal life things change as America's Next Top Podcaster was starting, which was really odd. Like my relationship of 10 years ended the weekend before we started season two. So I kind of needed that at the time, but it also breathed new life into me just doing this and realizing, oh, there are other people out here that are at the same level as me. They've been doing a show for six months or they've been doing a show for two and a half years and just getting to be thrown into this thing and, you know, for better or worse, forced to do some of these challenges and then the camaraderie that we got out of it because nobody, it was a competition. But it was never like, there was never any mean-spirited parts of the competition. No one was, there was no puck from the real world on ANTP. Everybody was kind of there, sort of helping each other out, and somebody just had to go home every week. And it was a great community built around that, and that was huge. And then, of course, meeting everybody, and I I have now, uh, I want to say it was every contestant on season two, most of season one. And quite a few from three I've had as guests so far. And I'm working my way through getting the rest of them. <laughs> I have every confidence that you'll nab as many as you can. Well, I mean, it's gone well so far. Plus, I had uh, Hammond, uh, the producer, and Brian as a guest a couple of times now. And that, that's helped a lot. Like, And being active in these communities, too. It's not just the community that I build around my shows. It's also being active in some of these other communities that help because it's one thing to listen to a show or even email into a show. It's another thing to sort of be active in that community where people recognize the name. Now it helps that I was able to very early on get a kind of online handle and persona that really fit me and was something that I could get everywhere. So most people know me as TV's Travis. I get introduced that way a lot, even when it's not, me introducing myself and it helped so there's sort of a brand awareness there and then i can pop up in another spot and somebody might recognize my name from another chat so that helps too but yeah consistent especially in the discord community consistency in your pseudonym from mm-hmm. discord to discord really helps i found absolutely so stargate pioneer i talked about it on the better podcasting main show last week stargate pioneer is not going to go anywhere that's my brand i'm keeping that even though that's not my name it's just my brand do you have any gripes with the podcast industry? I mean, you know, the, the classic kind of hobbyist gripes of like, when you read the articles of so-and-so is reinventing podcasting or so-and-so is inventing podcasting, it's like, well, no, I mean, this thing has been going on since the early two thousands. Like, uh, I mean, Scott, I love Scott Johnson's always saying podcasting since 99. Like it wasn't a word then he was just recording stuff and throwing it on a website. Like it's been around for a while. So it's this idea that, oh, it was, it was created in the last five years or the pandemic was, now the pandemic gave a huge boost to it, obviously, because everyone was stuck at home. But like online video didn't start with YouTube. It started before that. YouTube highly popularized it and gave it one kind of central repository that was bigger than the rest of them. But YouTube didn't create online video. You know, Apple had a lot to do with podcasting, but there were precursors to that so it's this idea that like 
Joe Rogan created podcasting or who, you know, pick your celebrity. I also, I don't begrudge celebrities getting into podcasts when it's a thing that they're passionate about. I do feel like there's some times where they're just sort of doing it to tick another box. Usually that doesn't last because usually you can kind of sniff those out. It's the same with any social media. It's the celebrity that has a Twitter account that they don't really get why you would have that. They just do because you're supposed to. So I gripe with that a little bit in podcasting where you have somebody who starts a podcast that doesn't really, they're not into it. They're just kind of doing it because they think it's the thing to do. Wait, are you telling me, Travis, just between you and me, that podcasting didn't start with serial? Amazingly, no. (laughs) <laughs> you've been podcasting for a while you say I had 200 episodes of wait you haven't seen you've got multiple episodes of the other two main shows that you got running right now do you have any favorite moments from any of them that are just coming to mind that you want to share with the audience in wait you haven't seen those moments are conversations the conversation on 12 monkeys was really great because it's that meeting of you know two opposing viewpoints one that i like to bring up a lot is an early episode of the show was for a movie called tank girl with Lori Petty. And I had three guests on there and they were three of my friends and none of them had seen the movie before. And I had, and none of them liked it at all. And one guy was even like, I might make you give me the $2 back that I had to pay to rent for this movie. <laughs> and so that's usually one that I will bring up is like, well, you liked, you might not have liked the movie, but you liked it better than all my guests did for, uh, you know, you're not, you're not planning to string me up because I made you watch tank girl. So there's that one. There is the other thing that always comes to mind is I have done now in 192 episodes, I've watched 193 movies for the show because one episode I did two shorts. It was Mickey's Christmas Carol and Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I did a double episode on that because they're both like 25 minutes long. Of those 193 movies, there are two that I have no desire to ever see again. Is one of them Howard the Duck? <laughs> no. No, I haven't done that one yet. But um... <laughs> it does not age well. Leah Thompson in her scantily clad lingerie cannot save that movie, in my opinion. But you'll see when you see it. Oh, I, I remember it. I remember seeing it as a kid. And, uh, and I remember watching it probably 10 or 15 years ago because I had to be like, all right, is this what I remember it being? And it was it's weird. No, the two movies that I've seen that I don't have any desire to watch again were M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. That was terrible. It was just, it was boring. And it did no help to that storyline at all. Like it just, what it made me do is made me, it almost made me not want to watch the show again. But then I was like, no, the show is great. I'll go watch that. The other one was Miami Vice because Miami Vice was just boring. Hmm. And I made the comment while we were recording the show that it felt like this movie was made by somebody who hated Miami Vice, <laughs> except that it was written and directed by Michael Mann, who created Michael, Miami Vice. So it's like, well, my, Michael, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> but it just, it felt dull. It felt nothing like the Miami Vice that I knew growing up. And I hadn't seen it. That was my first time watching it. And I love Colin Farrell. I don't think he got enough credit for a stretch of his career for being the actor that he is. And, uh, that movie did him no, no help at all. So, so far, that's still the only two that I don't have desire to see again. And I've seen some crap in my day. 
I gave the DVD that I had of Howard the Duck away. I'm like, I don't even want this in my house anymore. <laughs> Bye. I'm sure it's on Disney Plus now, so it's back in my house somehow. And then we just did Morbius on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple of weeks ago. And the way that we got through that is we just, we had fun with it. This is the only way we did. Like, none of us wanted to watch the movie. Uh, we had a guest on that's like, I am a transmedia script critiqued i i have gotten a degree in this so i want to do this and we're like okay well, well let's go ahead and do it because we weren't going to cover it anyway we had fun with it that was the only way that we did and i hope our audience appreciated it but yeah nobody wanted to watch it yeah sometimes you've just gotta go with it and ha- try to have fun i co-host a show called gore on all horror movies and look there are ups and downs in the horror genre probably more peaks and valleys there than just about anything i feel like because there's so many low budget horror films and uh we just watched one recently that'll be out soon so hopefully monica my host doesn't hear this because i'm not supposed to say ahead of time we watched thanks killing <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie yet don't <laughs> just just don't as bad as you think it can be it's worse and uh and and i say this as when i watch a movie and my first thought is 21 year old me and my friends could have made this but better that's the bar that that's a low bar and you're 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 coming underneath it so yeah not good we got a show on the get a geek network called smoking and drinking in space and they're great because one of their taglines is, we watch these movies so you don't have to. <laughs> yes. Anyway, what do you got going on for future plans? You got anything in the hopper for the future for your shows? You just kind of keep everything going status quo for a while? Uh, I mean, wait, you haven't seen. Like I said, I'm coming up on 200 episodes. So I've got some ideas for uh, for something to do for episode 200. I did just recently publicly confess for the first time to one of my personal list of shame movies which is the godfather Mm. so it's quite possible that i'm going to finally knock that off the list on episode 200 and see that movie i know it's one of those that i know of and it's part of the culture but i just have never watched it kind of start to finish i've seen bits and pieces so there's that. I've got a couple of short form uh, or short series ideas that I'm working on, as well as I'm working on script formatted stories to make into a webcomic. Um, I mm-hmm. have an artist. I have an artist who's interested in working on it with me. I've got to take the stories and script them out because I just have them in short story form right now. And uh, but we've done some back and forth on it, and it sounds like something that could be kind of cool to do but i only have 10 chapters right now i want to get those scripted and then see if i can if that's gonna kind of be it or if i can continue it and then i've also had that kicking around as doing as a full full produced radio drama at some point oh nice. radio drama style thing because that's something that i've wanted to do for probably since high school i've wanted to produce a radio drama for radio dramas or audio dramas, one thing that I would recommend is the Cast Junkies Discord server. It's full of audio dramas. So if you need any tips, tricks, or just tricks of the trade for that specific genre, Cast Junkies Discord server is where it's at for that. 
I know there's other places, but that's where I would go. I know Evo Terra is starting to get into that as well. He's a podcast consultant and okay. he's linked up with Cast Junkies Discord as well. So that's pretty cool. As far as the Godfather, what an amazing thing to get on your 200 because then you can do Godfather 2 at 300 and Godfather 3 at 400. So you're set for the next four years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I could do two. I don't know if I'll do three or not. I've seen enough clips of that that I'm not sure I could sit through. Uh, Sofia Coppola is a great director, but the clips I've seen of her, quote, acting, uh, I might be able to skip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll suffer through it. One of the two. Yeah, um, right. For your fans. For your fans. You're like, oh, you're leaving us hanging. We want Godfather 3. Is there anything else you'd like to get off your chest for other hobby podcasters, uh, tips, tricks, any statements or anything like that? I mean, it really comes back to if you want to do it, go for it. Even if you do it and you realize it's not for you, give it a shot because it can be a lot of fun. And don't worry. Like, don't worry if it doesn't take off right away. You're going to go through that period where you've got three listeners and two of them are related to you. And that's fine. Like, that's just how it's going to be. It's funny that you mentioned that because we've all been there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, have fun with it and think about numbers, but don't let that drive you. As long as you are enjoying what you're doing. And like when we started, when Audie, uh, my co-host and I started Let's Watch Highlander, it was because the two of us just wanted to talk about Highlander. And we thought, well, let's make it a show and maybe a couple people will enjoy it. We knew it was a very niche thing because it was a specific show that a specific set of fans would remember was even, ex- even existed. I have so many people that are like, they made a series out of Highlander. And the series is great, by the way. But we had fairly early on in that, we got two bits where uh, one person who would show up every week for our live streams and would email us and all of that. Sadly, he passed away a few months ago. But he was kind of our first, like, he was our first fan that really got it. And then getting a random message on instagram of all places of somebody from argentina who had found our show and was listening to it and enjoyed it and it was just like great i am now that fed me to do another like three months worth of shows so it's just those little things be prepared for that to take a long time to have happen but just enjoy what you're doing and it's going to be worth it indeed You know, we got a couple of comments in the chat as we were recording tonight. I want to respond to a couple of them. First of all, Matthew Bliss said, congratulations, I guess, the clapping emoji to solo podcasting. Good on you, Travis. Yeah, it was uh, not my original intention when I thought about podcasting, but I have enjoyed doing that um, because that conversation is always unique and it keeps it fresh for me. So I don't, I enjoy the group podcasting or having a a dedicated co-host, but I also really like the solo part of it and then getting to rotate in a new voice all the time. And then also we had Gregory Chinas. I probably mispronounced that last name. I'm sorry, Gregory. He said, simple mic, affordable mixer, audacity slash reaper, passion and training equals amazing results. No need for fancy stuff or tons of plugins. That's true. I'm with you on that. You know, I've slowly over time, like, gotten a stream deck which just helps to make the live aspects of things move a little smoother 
but it was a thing I built over time, keeping it simple. That's great advice. Yeah, that's one of the things that we made sure we did on Better Podcasting is at the end of every year, we have a gear episode and it just started like, okay, let's describe our gear. When we started in 2015, we'll describe mm-hmm. our gear and then where we came from. And then we've added on to that every year since. So we have a record of how we started and how we got to where we are today. And where we are today did not happen overnight. It took literally 10, 12 years for us yeah. to get where we are. So yes, I have an amazing studio, but it didn't start like this at all. I completely agree. You can you can go ahead and podcast. If I had to start podcasting all over again today, I would do it a little differently, but I would still start simply Samsung Q2U microphone and into audacity and away I go, or, you know, whatever I choose to use, probably wouldn't use audacity. I'd probably use Reaper, but anyway, that's, that's how I do that. Well, Travis, thank you so much for coming on the show. And where is the best place for our better podcasting audience to find you and your content? So the best place is tvstravis.com. It's where I host what you haven't seen. And I also feed like Twitter into that. So you can get to my Twitter from there, which is where I'm most active is between Twitter and now counter social uh, as the other one as Twitter slowly is a tire fire. <laughs> I just honestly, it's fun to watch it burn though. And I'm not normally that kind of guy, but there's something about, I think it's because I've been involved in Twitter in some capacity since 2007. And so to see kind of what it became and now to watch it all crumbling, it's so weird. It's absolutely weird. I hope it continues because like you, I've been invested in it, but at the same time, you got to objectively look at what's happening going, hey, this might not last to the end of the year and we're in November. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I want it to continue, but at the same time, like I'm just preparing myself for a day when it, when it just all falls apart, but tvstravis.com, it's where I have all the, the links to, you know, merchandise or supporting my shows and where my shows are. And I'm working on kind of a little bit of a redesign that, uh, on it. So, um, just to better showcase things outside of what you haven't seen that I work on. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. This was great. I had a wonderful time. And thank you for spending your time tonight with Travis and me over the past hour or hour and a half. Now, if you like content like this, please subscribe to the better podcasting YouTube channel and like the video. Or if you are listening to the audio version, please give better podcasting chats with SP a follow on your podcatcher app. And rate and review would be nice as well. Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, tomorrow night, Stephen and I will be recording episode 264 of the Better Podcasting main show. And as far as this show, next week, I'll be connecting to AD History Podcast, Paul K. DiCazanzo, which will be a fun time. We've been communicating back and forth. He's got a lot of things to say and an interesting history as well. A lot of personal stuff's going to come out with that. In the meantime, join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find both myself and Steven there every day. See everybody next time. Thanks for stopping by.